episode of What Is My Podcast About, a podcast where we get together on a basis of once every two weeks to talk about a possible topic to make the topic of our podcast. As usual, I am joined by Peter. Hello! Keith. Hey. And I'm hosting this episode today. My name is Matthew. So how have you guys been lately? Pretty alright. The world's slowly becoming less of a nightmare fuel. Well, around here anyway. <laughs> yeah. There were other parts slightly south to us that it's still a burning trash fire, but like, we're doing all right here. I'm sure one day they'll solve the melting ice caps. One day, but not today. Well, the mil- uh, the ice caps can't be melting if they're already melted, and I think that's the solution we have planned. <laughs> I think we're good in the need for another flood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, uh, as of today, I just got my hands on Deadly Premonition 2, which finally came out. Uh, I also picked up a couple days ago uh, Catherine Full Body for the Switch. So, I'll probably be spending most of my time going into that. Uh, God of uh, High School actually started up on Crunchyroll as well, so I'm excited for that. I just finished Tower of God myself last week. Yeah, I... So, I haven't read any of the God of High School, like, story that's already out there on the internet or anything like that. But I know it's something that people are quite fond of, the people who are aware of it at least. So when I saw that episode when I dropped, I decided to check it out. And I think it looks fucking phenomenal, man. It looks like it's going to be a jolly good time to watch. Yeah. I'm just really annoyed by it. Why is that? There's too many good shows coming out now and I don't have the time to watch them all. (laughs) But you don't have the time to watch them in the current situation. I don't. (laughs) Do you know how many many different shows are on my to-watch list? It is disgusting. It's fair. Monday is fucked for me right now because there's so many shows I'm watching that all get released on either Sunday night or Monday morning and I'm just like, alright, Monday's booked up watching shit. (laughs) It kind of makes you wonder, when did we... Because as humanity ourselves, we've had to collectively pass a point at some point where it became impossible to consume all the media. So music, song, like music, TV shows, books. We reached that point. I'm just curious when it reached where like the lifetime of a person cannot get through everything. I don't, I don't know, and I don't want to fathom it. <laughs> it's got to be pretty fucking early in humanity's existence just because like it's exponential growth. We're getting more people, more people are producing stuff. And we still have all the shit from before that we still can't keep up with, so. I gotta imagine it was, like, fucking in the time of, like, the Greeks. It was impossible for a single Greek to learn everything that humanity already knew. For a second, I thought you were gonna say Greek. (laughs) It was impossible for a Greek person to learn the language that he uses to communicate. I I can't learn Greek. That's a dead language. (laughs) Now, on the topic, though, of do you have enough time to consume everything, I think... What we're talking about today is definitely something you should take the time to consume. Yes. Considering it is a great movie. It's an hour and 26 minutes of your life if you watch the credits at the end. That's how long the YouTube video was. And it is an hour and 26 minutes well fucking spent. Two warnings. One, it came out in 1993. So uh, don't expect anything too flashy. But also, on the other hand... It may have an 11% score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's because those people are watching it wrong. Yeah, don't listen to that review at all. It is (laughs) dead wrong. They're expecting fucking Rosebud. What's that fucking movie called? Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. They're expecting fucking Citizen Kane while watching this. No, you gotta go into it expecting to have a good fucking You need something better. Better than Citizen Kane. It may have martial arts, but it's not just a martial arts movie. It is a martial arts comedy. Thank you very much. You're going to have fucking fun watching this movie. Don't go in expecting to, like, have your life changed. Should we just say what the title yeah, of the yeah. movie is? Yeah. So, the movie that we were talking about, the fantastic movie, is Surf Ninjas. Oh, I thought we were talking about Fantastic Four. What? <laughs> I know it changed my life. <laughs> you said fantastic, and I got my hopes up. <laughs> Alright, how about Radical? Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Zabra. Okay, now we're on the topic of Surf Ninjas. (laughs) (laughs) One of the main cast did, uh, was a stuntman for one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, by the way. Well, wasn't he the pizza delivery guy in the second one, too? He was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. Pizza, I mean. Anyways, go on. Anyway, the story of Surf Ninjas, I almost said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, I've already thrown this episode off the rails. I apologize to all of our listeners, but also, if you aren't aware that this is what it is by now, I'm 
You're watching the wrong fucking podcast. But anyway, Surf Ninja is... It's funny, my uh, girlfriend who was watching Surf Ninja with me said the exact same thing when she was watching the episode. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even get to the Moto Surf part. Oh, no. She was like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it focuses on two brothers, Adam and Johnny, growing up in Los Angeles. Oh, let's not forget the actual main character of this movie. Oh, yeah. Rob Schneider as the goofy best friend Their character. best friend, Iggy, a 30-year-old playing a high school student. <laughs> yep. It goes exactly as well as you'd expect it to. He sticks out like a sore fucking thumb in this movie. Oh, but he pulls it off wonderfully. But anyway, two brothers. They, all they want to do is surf. Hence the title of the movie. They even hate, they hate their schoolwork. It's shown even on their first day in school, in the movie. They don't even know basic uh, geography. I believe the exact line in the movie is Spain could be anywhere. Yep. To which the brother agrees, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I believe he explains that if you have confidence, they'll never doubt you. Yeah. Yes. But then we find out that they're actually the descendants of royalty from a far-off Asian island. And their destiny is to go back and reclaim it from the tyranny of a... Vicious mercenary who moved in. Leslie Nielsen? Yes. yes. Another perfect casting for this movie. The first time you see him, you're like, wait, is that Leslie Nielsen? Oh my god, what the fuck is Leslie Nielsen playing as the general of Pontasan? Now, uh, one thing I want to say about this movie is, uh, I don't think I've ever heard of Surf Ninjas up until you guys mentioned it. And I never watched it until we decided we're going to watch it for this podcast specifically. And I, I, mean, I was a bit hesitant. I'm like, do I want to watch this? When he was going to the fart. But as soon as Moto Surf happened, I was all on board. Yeah. It wasn't the Moto Surf specifically. It was at the end of the scene where they pull into the school and the cop's standing there and it's like, We swear, officer, we weren't motor surfing. And he pulls out a fucking car. It's like, man, I wish I was wrong. I wish one day I could believe you. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh my god. I love how the presence of an oar in the car guarantees that they were moto surfing. There are other moments in this kind of opening scene that are fucking fantastic like uh the main character is tasked with performing a cultural greeting uh for a the, spiritual leader uh, a spiritual leader named the baba ram which first off like you're supposed to be like oh man i can't believe this kid screwed it up when it's like i can't believe any teacher in the school would trust this man to do this yeah, well, and especially from the dialogue where it sounds like they actually forced him to do it. Yeah, the specific dialogue that the principal says before it is, uh, in honor of your coming here, we took an Asian-American student and persuaded him to volunteer. It's like, yeah, you fucking forced him to do this. And then he ends his speech by saying, well, he's now going to do what I've been told is a traditional ethnic-style greeting. And it's like, so you don't even know what the fuck is right. You just took a random Asian-American student in your class and was like, yep, you're doing this now. He's like, no, I don't think I should. And they're like, no, you're fucking doing this. And like, he's already stated four years in school, his method has been be confident about what you're wrong about and they'll believe you. The teacher should know not the fuck to trust him. Though Bob Aron is a good son. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, it was just like, the whole thing is like, I, I feel like there's something wrong with this school. Kids are motosurfing to school. There's police actively waiting at the school for motosurfers and they're trusting random kids with the stuff. They also get attacked by ninjas while... Well, they don't actually get attacked by ninjas. Ninjas attempt to attack them and get stopped by a mysterious man. Multiple times. In broad daylight, which I, I have to wonder, is it that no one can physically see these ninjas? Well, yeah, they're ninjas. You can't see ninjas. Yeah, they're wearing camouflage pajamas. They're, they're wearing, wearing blue, like, army camo. <laughs> they're wearing, like, blue winter army camo. In the middle of sunny fucking Los Angeles, it's surprising that no one could fucking tell who they are. But my favorite part is these ninjas come out of a fucking garbage truck. Like, one just drives up a garbage truck, opens up the back, and, like, a dozen ninjas jump out. It's like, why is that the most convenient form of transportation for ninjas? Especially when, like, they could just, you know, jump up onto the walls. One jumped off the roof of their house. <laughs> that, that is another magical fucking moment. Because he jumps off the roof of the house doesn't hit anyone and knocks himself unconscious oh. on the car. It's like, no. like, how perfect is your plan that, like, if he takes a step out of the way, I'm fucked. That, that was my perfect imagination, or how I perfectly picture a surprise attack should play out. Like, the stereotypical surprise attack. Someone's jumping and screaming from above. 
And, uh, sure, the character was warned that someone was jumping from above, but he heard the scream, he looked up, just shrugged, stepped back out of the way. I mean, if there's anything I've learned about ninjas from Naruto, it's that real ninjas don't attack from the shadows. They announce themselves. Yeah, that sounds like my understanding of ninjas as well. Yeah, unfortunately. But very fortunately for this movie. Now, uh, there is another thing I kind of want to point out, and this is from the opening of the movie when the brothers are surfing. So, these brothers are uh, clearly one's like, you know, a high school student, one's like probably like elementary school, like he's pretty young, maybe junior high. Maybe just starting junior high or something. Yeah, but one's the, about to turn 16, and I think one's like 10 or 11. Now, the one thing I want to point out specifically is when you see these brothers next to each other, you can instantly tell, oh, that's the younger one, because he's like half the size of the other one. But in the opening scenes, when it's them surfing, if it's far away, and I don't think you're supposed to be looking too hard, like, those two guys are the same height. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the little kid can't surf. Yep. Immersion broken. Movie ruined. <laughs> In fact, it might just be one of the ninjas surfing in his place. They actually got the little boy. <laughs> <laughs> so he never actually showed up. That's why he never moved on from this movie to become an actor. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually the last scene they filmed. <laughs> in the end, the ninjas won. Yeah, but anyway, after all the introduction of the ninjas and how inept they are, for the most part, they successfully capture the, uh, the kid's father even though they were adopted, his adoptive father. Now, there's something about this scene that I was like, why? <laughs> so the ninjas show up, they take over the house, so it's Rob Schneider, the two princes, and the adoptive father. They're all there, and they get ready to fight, and the ninjas show up, and then the mysterious protector shows up, he's in front of a window, and then he punches yep. the yeah, window! Yep. That, that scene is fucking amazing, because, like, literally six ninjas jump through windows, and you see them, like, very clearly just, like, do a somersault at the window, and the window shatters, and they land on and the inside. Also, when he was first introduced in that scene, before the ninjas showed up to attack, Johnny was about to leave through the door. That was just six feet to his yeah, side. Yeah, there's a door right next to him. He just, just bam, 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 and he punches but the window out. The best part is it was very clearly meant to be a single punch and jump through, because the like glass falls away, the wood breaks, but it doesn't fully come down, so he has to punch it. Twice more to get it to fall <laughs> the fuck down. Final kick, and he's like, I'll just step in. Now. Yeah, and then he just awkwardly steps over it to get <laughs> Don't it. Don't mind if I enter. Oh, uh, that seems fucking spectacular. Which leads into him like just taking like a little tea candle and lighting it when they try to escape. So there's some other shit that happens before the tea candle scene. So he takes them away from the scene because the ninjas are attacking. He's like, I gotta protect you guys because you're royalty or whatever. And then he takes them to a wharf and immediately just fucking abandons them. And they're all like, alright, let's go back and see what happened with our dad. Ninjas are all gone because, you know, they took the father. Police are there because Iggy called the police. And then they end up getting brought home by the police officer because he needs to make sure they're safe, but then Iggy's already waiting at their home, dressed up as their Uncle Eddie, to make sure that they have super Their Irish Irish uncle. Their Irish uncle Eddie. In a wheelchair, he's threatening to beat them. Yeah. With a leg that doesn't work. And then we get what is quite possibly my favorite point in this movie, which is the younger brother starts playing a video game on his uh, Game Gear, his Sega Game Gear, which is very clear, like, promotion throughout the movie. So clearly Sega paid... A bit of money for this movie. Came out the same year. Came uh, out the, the game came out before the movie, I might add. Yep. Of, of course it fucking did. But he pulls up his game gear, saying he wants to play a game. I I believe he says specifically what game he's intending to Shinobi. play. Shinobi. Shinobi, that's right. Um, but then the Surf Ninja's logo comes up, and he's like, Huh, that's not the game I was expecting to play. So clearly he's not prepared to play Surf Ninja's. But also has maybe played the game for the movie before because he's not at all surprised. When the first level starts up, he says, I've never played this level before, so have you played this game before and haven't ah, played the, the first Surf Ninja's le- game? I've heard all about this. I heard it's better than Shinobi, which is what this game, uh, this movie is pretty much telling us the whole time. So he's saying he hasn't, or he's surprised by this game, but decides to play it anyways. Hasn't played the first level before and is surprised by the first level, but also has definitely played the game before and hasn't played the first level. It's fucking weird. Uh, it gets even weirder later on because, oh, give me one second, I gotta get through my notes and figure out where it is. Um, 
Is it at the Little Pontesan restaurant? No, a little bit before then. The ninjas are, like, he's looking at the screen and he's seeing things as they happen in real time. And some ninjas walk up outside and kill some cops. But, like, he's just sitting at his game here, like, pressing buttons. So, did he just kill those fucking cops? Like, is he responsible for their death? And he's like, like a, oh no, guys, until they enter the house. And also, the I need to say that was the most brutal death in that movie. The ninja just comes up and legit snaps the cop's neck. And then his head's just, like, awkwardly hanging out of the car window. Just to make it super clear for the people inside the house, cops are dead. Oh, God. But yes, then he they get in the house and he's like, oh, people are inside the house. Let's get outside the house. Which leads to the fucking tea candle scene, which makes no goddamn sense. Their bodyguard, Mr. One-Eyed Patchman, a.k.a. Zatch, sets a candle on or in front of the stove, a gas stove that he turns on. And he evacuates them from the house. I wonder what's going to happen. Which Rob Schneider fully fucking calls out. They're walking away and they're like, we gotta go home. He's like, I'm taking you home to Patasan. And they're like, no, our home back there. It's like, I don't think you want to go back there. Mr. Patchy left a candle on the stove on. What if the host blows up? To which it blows up. But my main point is, why? Why did he intentionally blow up the host? He, his intention was to take them away from there and yep. leave to go back to Patosan. Yeah. There was no danger in the house He anymore. even said he did it to force them to leave. There's nothing for them anymore back here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not forget, like, this is also, like, just a chain of Rob Schneider's character. Just, like, making wild assumptions based off partial information yep. that he's the prince. And, and he well, has the power to make anything happen because he says, what if? But yeah, he loses that power very quickly. He yeah, immediately says... What if I lose this power? Oh my god, I just lost it. it. It all starts with them trying to get out of homework by saying, we'll just tell the teachers that we were rocked by the fact that we were adopted last night. And to which Rob Snyder does this shitty thing. He's like, oh, you were adopted last night? Why'd your dad wait until you were so old? But then he's just like, what if I was adopted? What if I was my father was a king or some shit? Which is why he assumes that he's actually the prince throughout the rest of the fucking movie. Oh god, it's yeah, painful. We should also mention that it is established as soon as he is introduced that he goes to therapy a lot and it does not work. Now, I love Rob Schneider. I love like the comic relief that he gives in the movie. But honestly, he's pointless to the whole plot of this movie. You could pluck Rob Schneider and the cop uh, both of this movie and it would change nothing. Not, he does one good thing later on. One thing he successfully does later on in the movie. And we'll get to it when we get there. <laughs> Alright, we'll get there. Yeah. So, forwards in time. So f- we get to the Imperial Palace. A.K.A. a restaurant called Little Patusan. Yeah, where they are welcomed by a whole bunch of original residents of Patusan who are chased out by the general. And we find Johnny's future wife. Yes. We also get to find out what happened on Pontusan too that caused everyone to flee at this point. Yeah. Uh, which we see, for some reason, they're like, oh, we're a warrior nation, all that stuff. And then they get attacked by a bunch of guys in, like, military gear, unless he gets into samurai armor. Yeah. Which is never, like, properly explained why Leslie Nielsen is in samurai armor. Especially since he, the helmet doesn't even fit him. No. no. Uh, and we get one of... So you said earlier that the most gruesome death scene was when Buddy's neck got snapped. I'd like to contend... That the most gruesome death scene is what should have been a death scene, which is when Leslie Nielsen's head gets caved in by a fucking elephant. Yep, but he didn't die, so it's not the most gruesome death scene. Yeah, he's in the 90s, scene. and he needs to become a cyborg ninja. Yes, so now he just wears a plastic face cover over half his face, like the Phantom of the Opera, and he's fine. And for some reason, he has a battery pack and a mechanical hand, also. Well, that comes into play later, because the only way they can defeat the villain is by getting him wet. Of course. Also, I do love the gag of the, the answering machines. The, the answer <laughs> I don't machine, hang up! The answering machine is very much like reminiscent of Airplane and other Leslie Nielsen yeah. movies, where it's just he's in the other side of his evil fortress and the phone starts ringing, he runs to get it. For whatever reason, the answering machine picks up after the first fucking ring and he starts explaining, Hi, I'm not here right now. Please leave your name and number after the beep and also don't hang up! And then he picks it up as soon as it finishes saying that and someone's hung up. And then when the second phone rings, the answer goes to the whole thing. He's like, was that you that called the other line? <laughs> no, I, what I liked about that scene was when he was on the phone for the first people who called. He was like, yes. What? They're not dead? I'll kill them. I'll send more men and kill them. Hold on. Someone else is on the other line. Yes? 
Kill them. <laughs> it, it's almost that, but it's a little better. He answers the phone the second time, and all he says into it is kill them. That's <laughs> all he says. So all he's doing is ordering his guys around the world to kill select people. Yep. So anyways, in the Imperial Palace, the ninjas end up attacking again, because it's surf ninjas. Ninjas attack pretty regularly. Which leads to one of my favorite fucking moments in this fucking movie. Uh, which is just further developments with this fucking surf ninjas video game prophecy that the kid has. Which is, level 2 starts, and... He starts playing through it in real time as shit happens. But as he's, uh, as they're getting into it, they first enter into the Imperial Palace and they start fighting through. And Johnny's a little bit nervous because he's surrounded by enemies. And the little brother taps him on the shoulder. He's like, don't worry, I've played this level before. So has the kid somehow played level two before, but not fucking level one? Well, maybe he played it when they were on their way to the palace. But we see him in real time reacting to it. So did he finish level two and then just go back and replay level 2 in real time with the actual events. Also, I'm going to point out that... Put a cheat code. Yeah. Johnny, the older brother, is descendant of a warrior king. He's inherited the warrior blood, so he's apparently a really good warrior. His brother, Otto, or Adam, is uh, apparently a seer prince, so he can see the future. Yeah. Which is how his game's manifesting. So, I don't know, maybe he had some sort of vision. He's like, oh, I've played this game. Actually, it was a vision that he played the game. But Maybe, but also... He's already kid, played it, so yeah. The kid has acknowledges he's played the game before. But also, like, later on, shortly after this Imperial Palace fight scene, uh, he gets pulled aside by Stratch... Stratch... Zatch? Zatch, that's his name, Thok. Uh, and Zatch is like, he may be a warrior prince, but you have the power of prophecy. You can see the future. And the kid, like essentially tells him to fuck off. No, he doesn't. He's like, I don't have that power. You're crazy. I can see you wearing a dress. <laughs> I'm an evil mastermind. So, like, the kid doesn't believe he has the power of prophecy, so does he just assume that video games line up perfectly with real life all the goddamn time? Now, with, with the dress on, I was kind of hoping it would pay off in the end, so when they went to the final battle, he'd actually be wearing a dress. I was kind of hoping that would happen, too, but sadly, no. It's just a very immersive game that he's playing. The graphics back then were top of the line. So real. Oh god. So bad. <sighs> so, so anyways. There they manage to secure a ship from one of the people who work at the restaurant that'll take them to Potasan. Now, I don't know if this was done intentionally as a joke back to, like, the Spain could be anywhere, but the map, yes. when they're going across it, the montage is all over the fucking yeah. place. So, so, as they're doing a kind of montage of them crossing the sea to get to Potasan, they're starting from Los Angeles, and there's a little, they cut in a couple times in this montage with a map and a little model boat going across the sea that starts from Europe, that goes through... Central America, across the Pacific to South China Sea, or the sea south of China. So I have a note in my little notes about the movie that just says, best boat travel montage of all goddamn time. Because it's like, a lot of times you'll like see like the red dot traveling across the map with the line dragged deposit, or like the dotted line forming on the map. This one is literally just like a dude's hand dragging a piece from fucking Battleship Across a fucking paper map. In a path that makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> it's fucking spectacular. So we don't even know if that's the actual place that Potusan is. Although technically... The map says Potusan on it and shows... True. Chose. And also Potusan is not a place made by surf ninjas. It's actually a fictional island from another older book. Shinobi. Sure. <laughs> I'm uh, not gonna check it to see if that's right. Yeah. Um... Another thing I want to address is just before they actually get on the boat, there's this small scene between them getting, uh, escaping from the Imperial Palace with their lives and running towards the boat where fucking the Zatch gets out of a car, turns around, and the three kids are wearing hats. He's like, where did you guys go? They're like, we went to get disguises. So did they just like fucking abandon him and he didn't fucking notice until they showed up wearing these hats? That never fucking pay off yep. again. It's not like they wear the hats to get through a scene or like the hats have no importance. This is one fucking throwaway line about them stopping to get fucking disguises that makes no goddamn sense. They're getting on the boat and we get a new character joining them on their adventure, the detective dude. Which is also a bit of a weird thing because the detective and... I mean, it's kind of weird, but 
he was investigating these ninjas who've been showing up all over the place. I- I'm just saying, like, him and uh, Rob Schneider's character both easily removed from this movie and changed nothing. Oh, yeah. Him, very much so. So, the other thing I love about this cop is he's, like, a super fucking callous dude. Like, early on in the movie when they get attacked, he's the one who drives the kids back to their home and, like, leaves them with Uncle Eddie Rob Schneider. And he, like, makes a line and he's like, Oh, don't worry about your dad, kids. I'm sure he just owed some bad dude some money and decided to disappear when they roughed up his place, leaving you guys in the zilch, but he'll come back eventually after he the thing cools down. Cools down. It's like, wow, you're just telling your your these kids who told you they saw their father get attacked, no, he wasn't attacked. He just fucking abandoned you guys because he was afraid of some bad dudes. It's like, most of the, like, bad dudes in the world if you believe that they're gonna like rough up your store to get money out of you probably also aren't above kidnapping your kids to get money out of you this dude is doing nothing to make the kids feel safe but he's got some interesting techniques as the detective because when he gets on the boat they knock him out and handcuff him and then at the end of their trip he comes out out of his handcuffs because he swallows his key every Tuesday. Yeah, this officer fucking compulsively eats handcuff keys. So either he, there's something wrong with him mentally and he loves the taste of fucking handcuff keys. Or this has absolutely happened to him before where he has been handcuffed with his own handcuffs. Never again. And needs to get out of it. And he's like, I've been here for days. If only I could shit out a key. <laughs> oh, God. Which if he's handcuffed. Because, did they, like, I can't remember, did they cuff him, ha- like, his hands together? They don't actually ever show him being handcuffed. Yeah, they they just... just show him coming out with the handcuffs off, and they ask how he got out of the handcuffs. Okay. Which is also fantastic, because it's been an unclear amount of time, but based on the fact that they're sailing across the ocean, I assume it's been at least a from couple... From Europe to th- Asia? From Europe to Central America to Asia, leaving from Los Angeles, but whatever. Yeah, probably at least two weeks. Yeah. Um... So Buddy does his, like, nerve pinch Jedi mind trick thing to knock. Zatch does it to knock the cop out. And he's, at first glance, like, unconscious for, like, probably a couple days. Otherwise, he would have presumably gotten out sooner after swallowing his keys. Because he gets out, like, just before they get to Pato-san. So, like, does he have permanent brain damage? Because I'm pretty sure if you're, something happens to you to leave you unconscious... For more than a couple minutes, you generally get permanent yeah. brain damage from that. I wouldn't worry about it. There are some scenes later that lead me to believe he has permanent brain damage. <laughs> Alright. So they finally get to Potasan. They go ashore and Zatch sinks the boat that they went ashore with. So there's no evidence that they're there. Well, first he fucking pushes it out to sea. Yeah. And the cop's like, what are you doing? That's going to get... Be very easily noticed if anyone's looking for us. It's like, yeah, it'll be hard to see at the bottom of the ocean. I'm sinking it. And it's just like, why? Just pull it onto the shore where it won't be seen. And now the cop's fully on board with joining them. He wants to go on to the revolution because he hasn't had a vacation in a while. Yep. Yep, that's a thing most people believe. The ultimate motivation. It gets a random character on your team. So they're journeying along. And Zatch brings up... The prince's inheritance. He's like, yeah, we're going to go get some uh, weapons for our revolution. We're going to get prepared. We're going to find the knives of Quan Su. Well, this is the moment of me and Matt's favorite fucking moment from this movie, uh, which we'll quote all the goddamn time, uh, which is he first says, we're going to collect your inheritance from the cave. And one of the characters is like Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider's like, what is there, money? And he's like, no, something money can't buy. The knives of Quan Su. Like, which what? leads to Rob Schneider fucking shitting on him endlessly about the fact that money apparently can't buy knives anymore. <sighs> such, such a great phrase, and I've nearly memorized it just, just by how many times I've watched that little bit. Yeah, that's what we get, like... Those two characters are, seem to only be there for, like, making the jokes, and that's the reason... Uh, if you take them out, the movie kind of stops being a comedy halfway through. Yeah. True. Yeah, they're only there for the comedic effect. But Iggy does have one part that he does redeem <laughs> himself a little bit. Because uh, they first, when they get the inheritance and get their weapons, 
they come across a village that's been completely devastated by General Chi and his forces. It's like, oh, these few survivors have been left as a message saying, this is what's going to happen if anyone helps us out. So, oh, a little bit of a serious note. Things are going to get a little more serious. They come across a chain gang, and they beat up the chain gangs, or they beat up the soldiers there, save the chain gang, and then things start going party crazy. Let's have some fun on this wild ride of revolution. I'm going to jump back a little bit because you did jump over the freeing the chain gang scene, which has several very key moments for us to discuss. Yes. So yes. initially... Uh, now this is the part where they fall off the cliff, right? Yeah. So, so now, <laughs> I do want to bring up, since we've all watched this on YouTube, since it's readily available on YouTube, I noticed that they cut the music out completely from this scene. So it might have had something to do with copyright issues or something, Maybe. but the movie itself... I remember had music during that whole part. I know. <laughs> one thing, because I specifically wrote this down in my notes, when they fall off the goddamn cliff and they're down there doing the fight. And so the party at this point consists of the cop, Rob Schneider, the brothers, Zatch, and uh, the, the future wife. Yeah. There's a part where it's like, no, I got this. And she walks up and says something to the guards. And the guards are like, ooh, and they start following her. And he's like, and she beats the shit out of them, of course. But then she, he's like... What did you what say? Did you know? He's like, oh, you'll find it on your wedding night. It's like, she's 16. <laughs> <laughs> so, jumping back like a little bit before they assault these guards after aggressively seducing them, um, the first two to fall off are the younger brother and the cop, and the younger brother essentially ends up surfing the cop down to the bottom of the hill. Well, it's surfing you. Yes. Um, and so, they get to the bottom of the hill, they're lying in a heap, the cop's barely landing on the ground. Uh, and a couple guards walk up and pull up their guns and point it at the cop. And they're like, ah, we got you. And here are my exact notes from that point in the movie. Because he pulls up his badge. He's like, ah, you're all under arrest for what you're doing. LAPD, you're under arrest. <laughs> so my exact notes are, does an LAPD officer actually believe that he has the jurisdiction to arrest people in Patosan? Followed immediately by... I retract that complaint. This may be the most believable moment in the entire movie. <laughs> I mean, Pondasan could be anywhere. It could even be in the United States. So, anyways, the cop tries to arrest them. Uh, he immediately gets captured by the others, which leads to another fucking perfect dumb moment of the cop of like, man, you're dumb. Which is, the older brother jumps in, knocks out the guard who's watching over the chain gang, takes the key off of his belt and passes it to the, like, captured individuals. He's like, start unlocking yourselves. To which the cop immediately gestures to his handcuffs and goes, how are you going to get those off? It's like, there's a key being Just passed around. Horses, but since he's not patient, <laughs> the, the older brother decides to put some fear into him by using his sword to cut the chain. Like, it was one of those perfect moments of, like, <laughs> The writers in the room when they're writing this movie were clearly like, oh, it'd be so cool if he uses the sword to cut through chain handcuffs. He's like, all right, so he's going to knock out the guard. He's going to take the key from the guard. Wait, if he takes the key from the guard, then there's no reason for him to cut chain handcuffs. Uh, let's just get that cop who exists to allow us to do fun stuff to make a comment about how he's going to get his handcuffs off <laughs> so he can cut his handcuffs off. It's just like so dumb. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then the following little scene of the fight sequence coming up was probably my most favorite part of all the fighting in the movie just because it was the smoothest part of all the fighting like kind of lower effort choreography for all the fight scenes it was all really enjoyable to watch don't get me wrong yeah but very obvious that their emphasis was on the comedy aspect and not the actual fighting technique but this one scene where johnny kicks the gun out of the guard's hand, flips over him, grabs his shoulders, and flips him onto the ground. That was... Done in slow motion and completely smooth. It's like, smooth as butter. That was cool, but that does lead to the point where, like, they free the chain gang from the car, and the reason they get into that situation is as they're getting out of the back of the truck, like, a firing squad is lined up ready yep. to shoot at them. And they're like, all right, we're not going to fight you. Let's just get back into the truck we were just getting out of. The firing squad's, like, pointing all at them. In the meantime, the younger brother goes and gets in a jeep and he's like, I'm going to save them. And he roll, uh, runs over two of these guards who are watching them. There's still like ten more. There's still like ten more. And everyone's like, ah, oh, it's no longer a dozen. It's only ten against us. Now's the time when we can fight back. Even though they all still have their guns. <laughs> I like those odds. It's just so fucking dumb. Yep, but then that leads to a car chase scene where Iggy has his one redeeming moment. Where they find dynamite in the backseat and they start throwing it unlit 
the chasing cars, where Iggy promptly knocks out one of the guys in the following vehicle, who immediately hits the driver in the face, and they swerve off the road. There you go. Rob Schneider's one purpose in this entire fucking movie was to take out one vehicle. But at the same time, Zatch gave them the cigarettes to light the rest. So, that is also the most fucking painful point in this movie. The point when I almost just stopped watching. I was like, I don't need to see any of it. In fact, I continued watching, but I stopped paying enough attention. So I have no more notes after this point in the movie. (laughs) Which is that fucking Rob Schneider... uh, uh, Zatch hands him the lighter and he's like I got cigarettes he's like I know I should quit and Rob Schneider turns to him and he's like maybe you should get the patch and then turns directly to the fucking camera and is like look at who I'm talking to gesturing to a guy with an eye patch who he just told to get the patch and I was just like oh this fucking movie and I just I zoned the fuck out and I don't know what happened for the rest of the goddamn film. Do you think Rob Schneider might be some sort of like demigod that's just inserting himself into the story for everyone else? <laughs> the whole movie was actually like, we're actually seeing some sort of documentary of these two princes taking back their country. And then Rob Schneider, the all national god, is like, I want to be a part of this. I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> it, it pained me so much to watch that moment. Then once we get to here, it all just streamlines straight forward, full speed ahead towards the ending. They have one little break where everyone's getting ready for the final assault. And the love interest of Johnny is like, hey, I'm going to talk to you. Um, I'm just 16, so I don't really want to get married. That's just something our parents said that we'd do when we were babies. But uh, I still like you, so let's date. She's almost 100% a one-dimensional character that's only there to be the princess character. Yep. The only thing she actually does is beat the shit out of those guards. To be fair. Oh, no, no that she, oh, I guess, yeah, beat the shit out of the guards. That's pretty much all she does in this movie. That one moment where she says, hey, I'm only 16, I'm not going to marry you, does immediately make her the most rational character oh, in yeah. the entire movie. Oh, yeah, by far. But then they're all standing on the cliffside looking out at the island that General Chi... I think it's cheap. The thing that's stupid yeah. with this though is because they do like a dance party the whole way to the yep. sport, and then when they get within visual range of it, it's like, now we gotta be silent. They can't see us coming. It's like, they fucking know you're coming. Yeah. Yeah. They even look across the water at the island with binoculars, like, oh, they know we're coming. Look at all those guns. It's like, what about the other side of the island? Oh, there's a reef. No boat can pass. That's this where the movie's like, oh, wait, it's surf ninjas. Yeah, it's like, we have to come up with a reason for a whole bunch of ninjas to be surfing. Yes, the Patasanis are the best woodcrafters in all the land, so they quickly carve up a bunch of wooden surfboards. That is one of the most fucking yada yada moments in movie fucking history, because they're like, hey, we got a bunch of trees here, and we need to assault the base in order to free our people. Cut to, we've got like a hundred fucking surfboards that are perfectly handcrafted. It's just like... That is like yep. several fucking days work. Even like, if you're the best woodcrafters in time, you gotta cut down the trees, shape them into fucking surfboards, treat them, because they're all like coated in like a fucking lacquer to make them not absorb all I the fucking I think you understand water. how good of a craftsman they are. Now, it's like, hey, little seer kid, you're the prince, you have seer powers. How are we supposed to get to the island undetected? Hmm, using seer powers to figure this out? No, he just likes to surf. So let's make some surfboards. Yeah. Yep. We do get a nice surfing scene with some nice music to go with it. Also, at this point, it's like the, oh no, my game doesn't work anymore. No, the power was within you the whole time. To be fair, not quite all of the powers out of the game gear yet. It still has one make or break moment later on. So they get to the island. They promptly storm the keep, throwing dynamite in among the fray, and the fighting breaks out. And the love interest throws a guard down a long set of stairs. Yeah, she just, like, destroys this man with stairs. Oh, yeah. St- the stairs become the rest of his life. That is one long-ass staircase. And one short-ass life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is where, like, the, the big fight happens, and the only thing Rob Schneider does in this fight is say, hey, you're gonna leave me out here or whatever? Something like all the signs. He's like, here, take the sword, I guess. And then we don't see him do anything else. He runs off chasing some guards, waving the sword wildly above his head. This sword that was so important to get, but also... The main character has it back later on. Yeah. Once Zatch gets shot, and they all group up again, 
find out that Zatch is actually their actual uncle, gets a sword back, and goes fight Colonel Chi. Now, I, I know, through this whole movie, I've been thinking something. This is a 90s movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't get hit in the nuts in this movie. That's very strange. The end of the movie made good on the rule of 90s movies. Oh, yeah. No one got hit in the nuts. Yeah. More than just hit in the nuts. Oh. Pretty much hit in the nuts to death. <laughs> yep. And crushed by an elephant won't do it, but getting hit in the nuts and then falling into water will absolutely because do it. Because he's half electrical now, so he just blew up, apparently. That's how electronics work. Man, that's the nose so good. <laughs> And I like to do that. He's in this full, like, you know, samurai armor shooting a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. And then he fucking glitches out, drops the gun. He's like, you've got a sword, but I've got no gun. Don't you want a fair fight? It's like, it was not a fair fight at any point in this battle. You having a gun against a sword is not a fair fight. To be fair, he did deflect some of those bullets with the sword. So he's pretty good. Sure. He, he's ninja good. 90s ninja good. That's actually really good. He's ninja guiding good. <sighs> yeah, the fighting continues until Colonel Chi's death involved in the fighting. That stairs guy is thrown down the stairs another time. And then the big old celebration yeah, at the end. No, it's uh, the main character pushes him down the second time. Yeah, the main character knocks him down the second time with the help of Mac, their adoptive father. It's not the final time he goes down those stairs. No, nope, it's the final time he's thrown down, though. Yes. Um, we also get to see the flashback of when uh, they ended up with Mac. Yeah. Find out that... He's an ex-U.S. sailor who worked for the royal family of Potasan, and he was good friends with them. Which makes perfect sense. Constant U.S. sailors are always working for foreign monarchs. Anyways, he decides to dissolve the monarchy (laughs) the moment he becomes fucking king. No, but here's the thing. I don't know if the people know he dissolved the monarchy, because they make a very important joke that they don't speak the same language. They don't speak the same language at all. They're just happy that their king said something. Oh, they absolutely don't speak the same... uh, Don't understand that he dissolved the monarchy, because dissolving a monarchy has, like, huge fucking ramifications for the people. Like, no one would be just unilaterally celebrating if the monarch... Like, if you went to Britain and... Or the UK, and the Queen just came out and was like, I'm dissolving the monarchy. You're all free now. No one would be like, yeah! Everyone would be like, oh, fuck, this changes everything about the way our country is run now. Uh, Except honestly, it won't have that. Like, the UK might be a bad example. It yeah, doesn't change it too much. The UK, it wouldn't change, but people would still be upset. Yeah. You do it in fucking Potosan, where everything about the way... Like, they have to figure out voting in immediately in order to... <laughs> There's no transition period. Yeah, he says immediately. Immediately from a monarchy that it's been like that for hundreds of years yeah. to a democracy. Yeah, that's that's going to be a fucking jarring change for them to go through. Do they go through that all that trauma? Nah, nah, nah. They just sing. They just sing it out. They just sing Baba Ram again. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually they, enjoyed they, that payoff of, like, he was in the crowd there yeah. at the end. It's like, oh... They, they actually sing the actual song for the yeah. end, though. Not the parody version to welcome the spiritual leader. Yeah. Now, now, kind of going into that last joke uh, where the guy that got pushed down the stairs twice is coming back up the stairs. And he's like, no, you oh, lost. Yeah. It's over. And he yeah. just kind of lays down and rolls <laughs> like, down the stairs. Yeah. Just in the middle of Johnny's speech to the crowd. He's like, oh, one moment. Your side lost. And he just sits back Which down makes on the me stairs like, and rolls. Did they just have like the ceremony like immediately after the fight, or like was this some time and he just went down a lot further that second time? We never well, saw the end of those stairs. We don't know I how think, long they actually were. I think even if the stairs weren't that long, falling down them twice probably like aggressively crippled him to the point where like the fastest he could get up there probably took him a day or also, two. Also, gotta give some credit. There's one of two things. Either this man was the most devoted soldier in that army that he was willing to come up those stairs a second time days after the fight that hopefully they need my help or he just really liked going down those stairs and he's a complete masochist. Yeah. I'm inclined to believe it's the second one. <laughs> Whew. There's one other moment I want to discuss a little bit earlier in the film. So it's during that little dance party they're all having after they liberate the village and so uh zatch is just like i've been waiting to give these guys until i knew you were worthy and then he pulls out little headbands for them and he's like these are the ceremonial headband worn specifically by the warrior princes of patozan and he puts them on them and then rob schneider's like clearly being a little shitty about the fact that he doesn't get one so the older brother's like i'll oh, just give him one too 
And then, then Zatch is like, all right, fuck it. And he pulls out another headband, which, first of all, if they're specifically for warrior princes, why does he have three when there's only two princes yep. in this monarchy? But whatever. It was for him. <laughs> so he puts one... He puts one on Rob Schneider, and then immediately every single person in town starts putting on headbands. It's like, so are they only for warrior princes, or are they for literally everybody in the silence? Now, I don't know. When I first watched it when I was a kid, I thought that the different tie-dye had a different meaning, but I don't know. That is possible. My conclusion I came to when watching it most recently was that Rob Schneider wearing it devalued it so much that it was immediately okay for literally anybody yeah. to wear it. <laughs> We've all been hanging on to our own made ones. More of like a worshipping thing, but I guess if he's putting it on. Fuck it, let's do this! With the royal bodyguards putting a he royal headband on a commoner, we can all wear it now. It was just a preclude to dissolving the monarchy. We're all royal princesses here. He gets to wear one, and I'm at least three or four steps above that piece of shit. <laughs> or at the end, too, where he's like, yeah, this is actually, I'm the prince, uh, this is all, like, my ceremony. <laughs> You're all my subjects? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and also, uh, Potasan's a kind of secret island that's far removed from society with no electronics, no technology. It's like reverse Wakanda. Yeah, um, how does Johnny, Adam, and the detective get back? Well, they did just sink their boat, but also clearly... Uh, General Chi has ridiculous technology for flying ninjas all around the world. Also, so. you have to remember, Patasanis are the best craftsmen in the world. Uh, they just make a speedboat out of wood. They'll just grow a really big tree and make a big raft. Exactly. If by raft you mean surfboard, then yes. Yes. A raft of surfboards. A giant five-man surfboard. <laughs> I also did really enjoy the fucking surf ninja scene. Just because of the fact that, like... They're talking about how they can only get there by surfing because the reef's too... Sh uh, the water's too shallow with the reef. So no boat can fit through there. And you see all of the ninjas, like, paddleboarding there, like, where they're lying on the fucking board and just paddling. And then, like, Johnny explains, like, how surfing works. And they all get up and stand and surf. And it's just like, there was no need. You could have gotten there just fine by just, like, paddling yep. while lying on top of it. This is surf ninjas. I understand that they had to do it because of the movie, but, like, there's no point in the plot that explains why they had to surf onto the just island. One small gripe that I had about that scene is when they were looking at the island from the shore, it was from one direction, with the bulk of the island on one side and then the fort on the left side from our perspective. And they said they were going to approach the island from the far side because that's where the reef was and they weren't going to be expected. When they approached the island, they were still approaching from the same side that they saw it from originally. So, if you think about it from what we've seen, they didn't actually go around the island. Okay, that's good. Because I, in my head, pictured them, like, fucking going for, like, a day to get around the island and come at it from I, I imagine they just cheaped out on the scene because the other angle probably had something they didn't want in the shot and didn't have the budget to edit out. Yeah, that or... it didn't have the fucking fort on it or some bullshit like mm -hmm. that. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, another good uh, joke there at the end too is uh, when uh, Zatch gets shot and they're having the moment and he's <laughs> oh, like, yes. oh no, he's dying. He's like, I'm not dying. Oh, it works. He's <laughs> like, if I don't die. And then he starts to feel yeah. a little better. He's like, what if I don't die? Oh, it works. <laughs> well, and then Iggy immediately slaps him and brings the pain back. Which, pretty ballsy for Iggy. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that pretty much sums up the entire movie. The entire perfect movie. Perfect movie, indeed. Except for that one fucking moment with Rob Schneider looking dead to camera. <laughs> that movie can go fuck itself. Or that moment can go fuck itself. Oh, but despite all of the things that you can just rip on completely for the movie, it is just one hell of a ride to enjoy and sit back and watch. Oh, yeah, 100%. It was, like, definitely really fun just to sit back and watch. Yeah. Uh, a good definition of a popcorn movie. Yes. Exactly. It's the kind of movie you don't need to, like, think about as you're watching. Clearly, if you do think about it, you end up with this fucking podcast where we <laughs> break down every single moment, but it's a, a fantastic movie to just, like, sit down and just, like, fucking zone out while watching I want to watch it again. I just watched it last night again, too. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something wrong with you, Matt. Ah, oh, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. So you guys have a favorite moment in the movie? Yes, I do. It's when they get into the, uh, 
the prince's, uh, whatchamacallit, inheritance, the knives, the cave with the knives of Kwan Su. And uh, it's that whole scene that I enjoy. Iggy's going on about how his cousin got lost in a cave and they never found him because he was eaten by bats, or so they think. And then the fight scene, where Zatch is like, the warrior spirit resides within you, so stand and fight, I'm gonna bring it out of you. And uh, Iggy just like, me? Okay. <laughs> Jumps up to fight and he's like, not you. And just starts going ham at uh, the older brother. And then he finally draws the sword and just the glorious music starts playing, the light shines on him. He looks up in complete confusion. He's like, what? And then just shrugs it off. He's like, all right, I'm going to kick your ass. Mine is 100% the Moto Surf at the beginning. <laughs> The Moto Surf. <laughs> That's the scene that sold me on the movie. I'm like, okay. Moto Surf! Moto Surf! 360! My favorite moment's a similar vein to that one. Because he even pulls up the paddle of the fucking car in that one. And they pay it off with the cup with the paddle of the second one. Uh, just a little bit later after that, when the three of them go surfing for the first time in the movie, and the two brothers go out surfing, and Rob Schneider's just like, y'all yeah, trying it a little bit. I just gotta wax my board first. And then the moment he sees them coming out of the ocean, he's like, all right, let's go. And it's just like, you've never surfed a day in your goddamn yeah. life. Also with that scene, something I never noticed until last night when I watched it, he's waxing up his board the entire time they're out surfing. If you look at his board, I always thought it was just an old beat up board that he got from someone. No, it's completely coated in lumps of wax. Oh yeah. That is a hundred percent something you notice. Like it looks like it's beat up at first, uh, at first glance. And there's, like, lumps of shit all over, and you're like, what's going on? But if you actually look closely, he's just waxed it so much that there's literal wax deposits built up on his board. And then they end up paying that joke off later, too, where it's like, uh, okay, guys, before Siege is, uh, four days into the United Action, I'm not a surf. It's like, oh, uh, we knew. I've, <laughs> it, I've, it was I've, a joke for everyone on the beach, really. I've never surfed a day in my life. Yeah, we know. But what if you could? So, you guys got any, uh, recommendations for things outside of... Surf Ninjas. I mean, absolutely go watch Surf Ninjas, but... I could certainly recommend the old, old Three Ninjas movies. The first two, because the third wasn't that great, if I remember correctly, but it's been <laughs> years. Or I could rack my brain for a few minutes and try to think up something I would actually recommend to people. Three Ninjas was an odd one, definitely. <laughs> Normally I like to kind of reference, like, or suggest something that's a lot closer to the top we're doing. <laughs> But I'm also going to, I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to definitely recommend Deadly Premonition 2. Came out today as of the recording of this, so if you haven't picked it up, maybe pick it up. Because uh, I was watching the trailer for it, and uh, apparently it's going to be as buggy as the original game. Because there was stutters and all that shit in the gameplay in the trailer. I love how for a trailer which they're releasing to sell people on the game, there's still bugs and stutters and shit like that. Like, fix that shit! For the trailer, at least, or put a point in the game where you Swer can... Swerdy is a madman that I will never try to understand, but I damn do I enjoy his stories. Uh, though, I guess to reference or recommend something that's related to Surf Ninjas, uh, maybe I would recommend picking up some Ninja Sex Party CDs and listening to their great tunes. They're both ninjas, just do their ninja stuff in different ways. Yeah, and their music's fucking phenomenal. I love fucking Ninja Sex Party. Some of the songs are a little weird, so I've heard, but I'll enjoy them nonetheless. Well, they have their, like, joke albums, which is, like, they're really good songs, but, like, joke lyrics. They have their uh, cover song albums. And actually, their last one or two Ninja Sex Party albums were actually, like, kind of jokey songs, but, I, like, perfectly fine songs. Do you have any recommendations, Peter? You would think I would, given that I brought this up, but I need to double-check the name of something real quick, okay. and I'll be right back with you. <laughs> My recommendation is to stop Rob Schneider. <laughs> well... While you're doing that, I will recommend another movie, and it doesn't have any ninjas in it, but kind of along the same relation, it is an older movie, it is about royalty, and it has a revolution of sorts, and it's not a comedy, uh, Man in the Iron Mask. It's a movie about the Three Musketeers and how they're trying to overthrow the kind of corrupt king with his twin brother that the corrupt king had locked up in prison to be forgotten. Uh, another recommendation, uh, while we're at it, uh, if you felt you watched this movie and you didn't get enough Rob Schneider, maybe check out Real Rob on Netflix. I might be one of the eight people that actually watched the two seasons. Yeah, you're probably 
maybe, maybe it broke double digits. Um, I can't figure out what the name was. So moving out from that, if you wished, what if this movie were not a comedy and also not about ninjas? Check out Point Break. Fantastic other 90s movie about surfers who, <laughs> in this case, do crimes. If you like Point Break, may I recommend Fast and the Furious 1. <laughs> it's like surf ninjas, but minus the surfing and minus the ninjas, and they do crimes, but with cars and not surfboards. Yeah. So Point Break is my recommendation for this time. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I don't really have anything else to say. Do you guys? Uh, I got a question for the audience. Feel free to email us with your answers. Do you guys have your favorite, like, so bad it's good, but also still good movie? Like, right on the cusp of bad, but also just like a fun popcorn movie. What's your... Movie recommendations for us. You know, I don't think I actually have a bad movie that I like. I like to that degree. Maybe just The Room. <laughs> I can't think of like a, a purposely bad movie. I can only just think of The Room. <laughs> That's fair. Well, hopefully the audience has some good movies for us to watch. Not necessarily yeah. good movies. It's good say, to watch. I hope it's good yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah. Fun to watch. Not necessarily fucking phenomenal films. Yeah, because if it's, if it's not fun to watch, then I'm probably not going to watch it. Yeah. I don't care about, like, having a solid, cohesive plot, so long as it's, like, an enjoyable movie. Just a fucking popcorn movie. Give me a popcorn movie to watch. That's what I'm saying right now. Please, Peter Johnson. Yeah. I clearly have enough free time in my life right now, and I'm not overwhelmed with all the things I'm trying to keep on top of. <laughs> Do we have any comments? Uh, so, no one has guessed the episode this week from the photo, but uh, same as always, you will get called out if you manage to guess it. At the same time, no one correctly guessed the episode last week, unfortunately, which I thought we made it pretty obvious, but who knows? Yeah, we literally had a page from the JoJo comic visible, so... And it says, boosh! Well, really, all you can see is, it says, booze! Peter, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> booze! <laughs> I might be brain problem. <laughs> Have you been knocked out recently? For like several days. <laughs> he, he's still recovering from uh, uh, Rob Schneider directly addressing him. <laughs> so I haven't received any emails either. <laughs> no what about YouTube questions? comments? Do we have any YouTube comments? No, just still that guy that... Damn, I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> Uh, uh, just a little update. Uh, so I guess we're just going to call our mini-episodes Wimpy Bites because I can't think of a better name. Yep. I've successfully forced us into this decision. Uh, so we don't have an exact release schedule, but expect those to come out really at any point between the regular episodes. Yeah, it'll be some point during the off week. And don't forget if you have any questions or comments specifically relating to battle tendencies or something going back to uh, Phantom Blood, just send an email make sure to put that in the title and we'll... Make sure to read it up during the episode. Or if you have comments about Stardust Crusaders or anything after that, also send us that shit and we'll bring it up while we're talking about them, as long as we get the email beforehand. That works. Yeah. And as always, thank you for joining us for another wonderful episode of What Is My Podcast. <laughs> wonderful <laughs> might be a fucking stretch. I think this episode was a train wreck. Okay. This bizarre episode of what is my podcast about as always you can find us on god peter calm down as always you can find us on all podcast streaming services along with youtube you can follow us on instagram leave a like or a comment if you appreciate us or just find us entertaining in any regard uh, we'll be back in another two weeks with some other episode talking about something that I probably still have no idea what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, just make sure to check in a fortnight and uh, we'll Two weeks. Try, try to reach out to the truth and uh, make sure to tune in at midnight when it goes live. Hopefully it's raining so you can see it. Yeah.